Radio Free Cybertron. Transformers. Rewind. This week on Transformers Rewind, it's Chain of Command, because there are four lights. There are four lights! A battle at the stone monument discovered during Beast Wars Part 2 causes an energy beam to fire into the sky. Sometime later, an alien probe enters the planet's atmosphere and lands at the Standing Stones. Optimus and Dinobot go to investigate and encounter Megatron and Waspinator. As they prepare to fight once again, the probe energizes and Optimus vanishes while everyone else is deactivated. Megatron, terrorize! Dinobot, maximize! Dinobot wakes up at the Axelon, proclaims Optimus dead, and sets out taking command. Rhinox insists the succession be determined by a vote before Rattrap and Dinobot can fight to the death. And after that produces no helpful result, Optimus phones home. He's trapped in the probe and makes Rattrap leader. I'm starting to wonder if that alien probe had anything to do with Optimus' disappearing. I've heard enough from this scrawny thief! will break the tie and be your leader by force if necessary. Maximals, come in! Are you receiving? Maximal command base! This is Optimus! Optimus? Optimus, this is Rhinox. Where are you? Hard to say. As near as I can figure, I... I have no body. My consciousness is intact, but my, my physical molecular structure is being stored and scanned inside the alien probe. He will come and get you. Just keep static. Just beware of a Predacon attack. They'll be after you now that you're outnumbered. Rattrap, you're in charge. I'm sure you worked out the chain of command peacefully. Meanwhile, Megatron makes the same leaps as Dinobot and launches an attack on the Axelon while the Maximals are off balance. Dinobot won't follow any of Rattrap's orders during battle, but gains a grudging respect for him when Rattrap puts himself at risk to protect the base. Afterward, the Maximals proceed to the monument while with Rhinox's Optimus extraction device to rematerialize him out of the probe. 
the Predacons attack again, and a very angered Rhinox unloads his frustration and ammo magazines at Waspinator, which ends up causing a reaction in the monument. It's all one device of some kind, and the probe opens and releases Optimus in response to its activation. The Predacons retreat, and the probe vanishes before any examination is possible, leaving the Maximals with only questions. Hey. This whole place is a single device. So, Kilby, do you have any more uh, Star Trek Next Generation references to throw at us before we start? So, I really, I really uh, appreciate how uh, Captain Jellico approached uh, the situation with the Cardassians in this episode. Yeah. You uh, know, they're like wolves. They're like timber wolves. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, that's basically it. Thank you for... for Ruining that? Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I actually only half-watched this episode... Uh, I watched a part of it, and I, this one never really stood out to me like most of season one of Beast Wars. I'm a terrible fan that way, but um, I, I know. I mean, first it's a better mouse trap that you don't like, and now this one. Just I didn't. Means I didn't. I didn't dislike it. I didn't. Well, I mean, better mouse trap. I wasn't that big a fan of before. I like it better now. I don't. I don't dislike this episode specifically. Um, I, I like that it has some early tension between the Maximals, specifically around Dinobot, uh, <clears throat> but. <sighs> I don't know. I, I I'm just such a fan of season two that uh, it just it doesn't resonate with me. You know, now God, sixteen years later. Ugh. Don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the three Ugh. of you are just so much older than I am. <laughs> you be quiet. <laughs> uh, the the thing that sticks out to me about this episode is only Rhinox's chain gun of doom. It was his introduction. Oh, okay. Because cool. he had not pulled out a gun until this episode, and when he did and lit up Waspinator, it was it made the entire episode. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Plus, it resolved the plot. You got to give Rhinox some credit, though, for assembling whatever scrap he could find in the command center and trying to build a device to pull Optimus's uh, dematerialized body out of an alien object. He's a uh, very not that hard. Scotty like <laughs> at that. At that, basically, going back to Star Trek, just a different era. At least we're talking well, about hence the Miracle Worker reference. Yeah, yeah. The thing that really stood out to me about this episode is that Rat Trap is a pretty decent leader. He, you know, he uh, most of the time he is perfectly willing to start shit with Dinobot, but when Dinobot ignored his orders, he let it go because it was not really productive to continue their usual argument at the moment. So I, I thought that was important. Well, and he also realized Optimus's first rule of command, which is that he's not going to order somebody else to do something that he's not willing to go and do personally, 
you know, that's the lesson Rattrap had to learn during the battle. He couldn't make Dinobot go do it before he proved himself by running through the firefight to fix the shields himself. Yeah. It just seemed really strange to me that Rhinox wasn't in the running for the leader, because he's pretty much always been second in command, it seems like. Well, okay, you have to think in Season 2, Rhinox is having a really bad time. Optimus is dead. Everything's kind of screwed up. He's not really willing to sit through Rattrap and Dinobot working it out again. So he's just like, okay, you two sit down and shut up. I'm in charge for right now until we get everything under control. He, he's Jonathan Frakes. He he makes a great, you know, like first officer, but not necessarily a great. <laughs> he has the beard too. Yeah, he, he could. Yes. <laughs> he got a mohawk too. That's kind of awesome. Yeah. But no, I mean, Rattrap kind of has that characteristic of stepping up and taking charge when it's necessary to do so. But like he said at the end of the episode, it's a pain, and he doesn't really want the job if he can help it. Yeah, and it, I think it's cool that basically any of the Maximals, um, except for Cheetor, could basically take that role as leader. Well, I mean, at the end of Beast Machine, Cheetor did take that yeah, role. Yeah, that's true, that's true. So eventually, every one of the original Maximals had that chance. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, to me, this is, you know, this is the, like the fifth episode of season one, and it's the first one that really stands out to me as, okay, this is a good episode of Beast Wars. It has a better focus on the characters. It knows more about what it's doing at this point. You know, the pilot episodes are kind of a mess because of all the exposition and setup needed, and the next two are just weak episodes in general because they're really cementing the concept that's down. A, that's a great point because watching this, I didn't once think, man, this is such a season one episode. I didn't think, right. wow, this really isn't, yeah. this is only half-baked. I thought, this is a Beast Wars episode and it just happens to be an early one. See, that's a, that's a very good point. And to your point before, I mean, everybody likes season two and looks to that for what Beast Wars becomes about, but Season one gets overlooked a lot. You know, it's twice the length. There's a lot more opportunity to build the characters up without having an overarching plot to contend with. And I think that's really the strength of episodes like this. Yeah. And you can't really have something as strong as season two without, you know, that found that character foundation in season one. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. 